Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now, here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. My name is Greg Frank. Again, we want to appreciate everybody for tuning in to yet another episode of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. This is episode 152, and we're going to get to our guest in just a minute. He was excellent. But before we continue on with the pod, we want to step away and check in with eRenewable COO, Ann Niemer. Ann Niemer here, COO of eRenewable. We know today whether you're a public company, private equity, or privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. And we welcome you into episode 152 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Alongside Mike Niemer, I'm Greg Frank. As we get ready to bring you another episode of the podcast, Mike, good to see you again. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, an exciting sports weekend, both in college and pro. And uh, now we've got a great guest coming on. We're going to talk some sustainability. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sports and sustainability are right? the two S's that we talk about. So without further ado, let's bring on our guest, Tucker Perkins. He is the president and CEO of the Propane Education and Research Council. And Tucker, it's good to have you aboard. How are you doing? Great to be with you this morning. And I would say sports and the energy scene are very much alike. They all change. Minute by minute. Well, there you go. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background, what drove you to where you are now, and kind of uh, what initially kind of perked your interest, no pun intended, in uh, the sustainability space. Well, I started college as an engineer. I kind of wanted to be a consulting engineer. And turns out it was a really interesting use of my time because I really started in a lot of land planning. And as we think now about Kind of the future of energy and how it works and how societies evolve that that ba- that background really helped then really went to work for a natural gas company where i really was involved in all facets of natural gas transmission uh, pipeline planning pipeline construction built lng facilities then operated lng facilities so a, a good career around natural gas and then ultimately ran my work my way into running a propane company and now in many respects, I kind of sit uh, to represent the propane industry, not from a lobby, but from a technology development, from safety standards, from marketing, to really begin to uh, lean into, I think, where propane goes into this clean energy transition. And I understand that uh, you've started a podcast and, uh, you know, so much like what we do here, you're, you're kind of doing similar stuff in terms of promoting yourself and what you guys do with the Education and Research Council. So how did the podcast kind of launch itself and, uh, you know, how comfortable do you feel doing that? And, you know, how, how much has that helped in terms of a networking tool? Well, so first of all, I would say we, we our podcast is very much like yours and congratulations when you're, when you're. Uh, count is up in the 150s or 160s. I know that's a podcast that's really here to stay. I think, you know, for us, we've got about 60 episodes in the can, but it is not about really promoting me. It's really a forum to get people together talking about what does this transformation to clean energy look like. And we've had carbon experts, weather experts, uh, fusion experts talking about nuclear power, 
you know, all facets of this transition. And it's been really fascinating to one, see the breadth of people about what they know, but really it's been a little bit eye-opening as we realize so many people truly don't understand how low carbon fuels like propane or natural gas, how they will play into this energy transformation. So it's, it's been really elegant to see where I believe power goes, where renewables look like, what's happened in Europe or Africa or Asia, and then to really begin to change the trajectory, I think, of low carbon fuels like propane and natural gas. Well, you know, on the show, we've had uh, people on for responsibly sourced gas, RSG, and we've had renewable natural gas on for RNG. Well, now you're here to talk about renewable propane. We've not had anybody on regarding propane. For the listeners that's not familiar with the process and exactly what takes place to make propane renewable, can you go through some of the basics for us, Tucker? Yeah, and I think at its very base level today, anywhere we're making renewable diesel or sustainable aviation uh, fuel from fats, oils, grease, uh, that same process actually makes renewable propane first. And so in that process, and we just finished a study with National Renewable Energies Laboratory that conclusively says what we believe to be true and what our previous manufacturers of renewable propane had also known to be true, that in maximizing the output of a refinery, you should, in fact, take your renewable propane and sell it into the marketplace rather than continuing to consume it in your, in your product and make more renewable diesel. So the first phase of renewable propane looks just like we make uh, renewable diesel or sustainable aviation fuel, which is uh, hydro-treating used fats, oils, and greases. I would say if we'd had this conversation six or eight months ago, I think the story would have stopped there. What's really been fascinating, and at, at its heart, I think I am a technologist. I really believe that whether we're talking about uh, battery electric vehicles or power grid or anything, technology is a big part of the solution looking forward. The story doesn't just stop with us hydro-treating fats, oils, and greases to make renewable propane. The, the next story is unfolding, and frankly, there are eight other pathways to making renewable propane. The most exciting one right here near term we're taking, uh, I thought I was a farmer at heart. I thought I knew most crops. We're taking something called camelina weed. It's a drought tolerant, non-food cover crop. So it works well with farmers. We plant it, uh, we harvest it, and then we turn that into renewable propane. And the conversion is really easy from a crop to renewable propane. That's kind of the, the second leg of the stool, if you will, for making renewable fuels. Uh, a new way to do it. And that is frankly is going to be carbon zero, might even be carbon negative. So, you know, then we start talking about things like municipal solid waste or uh, forest residues or some other crop residues. And we really have a whole pathway to get to enough renewable propane to make the story truly sustainable. You know, Tugger, as you run through some of the stuff that you guys are discovering, it, it does feel like, and I want to hone in on the uh, those two words, education and research. And it feels like it's an ever evolving process to learn more about propane and renewable fuels and things like that. When it comes to the people you work with and just that education element, how much is it always changing? Like I imagine still at this point in time, you're learning new things about what you do, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the good news is we're we're uh, buoyed by a really good set of codes and standards. Propane's been around well over 100 years, almost 125 years. So we have this base of infrastructure in place like codes and standards, the network of pipelines or trucks and rails. So all of that is in place. Now, as we think about not only new fuels and new fuel blends, but new technologies. We're, we're in a partnership with Cummins. Cummins saw it with us seven years ago that this was probably diesel's last decade as a transportation fuel. And so all of a sudden Cummins, they're quite public about making battery vehicles or making hydrogen vehicles or making gasoline vehicles. They're also making a propane engine. And that propane engine, the technology is unlike anything we've seen before. More powerful, still very cost-effective, simple emissions streams, and by the way, at a cost that's cheaper than most any other engine on the marketplace today. So we just see this technology coming up now and really moving into the forefront to produce uh, a lot of options for propane that didn't exist. Options around power generation, options to replace diesel in the ports, options to replace uh, diesel or gasoline in transportation. All three big uh, contributors to the carbon problem and using propane provide solutions to reducing carbon. Tell us about what type of end user is, is there one end user that favors renewable propane more than another? Is there one commonality that more school districts or CNI customers, what type of customers using propane, the renewable propane and what kind of premium comes with the renewable propane tag? Thanks, Mike. It's a great question. And today the, the preferred user for renewable propane is someone that can take advantage of not only the, the credits that the federal government gives uh, to produce it, but also the low carbon fuel credits that come. So it's almost exclusively around transportation. So today it's school bus systems. People don't realize 23,000 school buses <laughs> operating in the country today on propane, 1.25 million children impacted every day. So it's around transportation and it's around material handling. I do think over time that'll expand, but today it's around uh, transportation. And we're really in four segments, paratransit, uh, delivery of uh, food and beverage, uh, a little bit around school transportation. And then that last would be around the mail. You'd be shocked how many vehicles today are delivering mail from distribution center to distribution center. Uh, using propane fueled vehicles. Okay, and uh, that's great. What kind of premium price tag comes on that? And I'm assuming it's going to be per gallon, correct? Yeah. So it's funny when we started talking about even renewable fuels five to six years ago, we really set out for three criteria. One, we wanted the feedstocks to be plentiful. We didn't really want to use feedstocks that were in high competition because we knew over time it would either drive the price up or it would create scarcities. We wanted the conversion process to be efficient. We didn't see things like using 18 BTUs of energy to create one BTU of renewable product making sense. We didn't see wasting energy. And uh, in having those two criteria to be, you know, as we were thinking about the next processes, our third process was the renewable fuel had to be affordable, a hallmark for us is that propane today is both accessible and affordable. Frankly, renewable propane has to be accessible and affordable. So the answer to your question, what we have found is most people are willing to sell it for 10 to 15 cent premium to conventional propane. 
And frankly, when we wander much further than that, we think buyers who have are really well-intentioned, but they say, you know what? I'll take the advantages of conventional propane, still lower carbon than much of the electric grid today, still very, I mean, eliminates NOx, eliminates particulate matter. So they're willing to use conventional propane. Uh, and it, it's, it's fine for us because those very sensitive industries that really want to lower their ESG score, you know, perhaps really want to take a commitment to leadership in the environmental field, they're there and willing to pay that 10 to 15 cent premium. But that's about where we are today. And frankly, I think that's where we stay for a long time. Just a slight premium to conventional propane. Uh, because I think that gives us the benefit of maximizing the use of conventional propane while it's still an environmentally friendly fuel and then renewable propane for those people who want that extra benefit. Okay, I wanted to backtrack. You mentioned some of the uh, common uses with transportation and school buses and uh, mail delivery, things like that. Uh, where do you like, how do you see those expanding in terms of other uses in daily life that can, you know, we could see propane used in? So if we just stick with transportation for a moment, it always fascinates me to still see how many uses there are of diesel or heating oil that frankly should be propane. Cheaper to use, cleaner to use, better for the environment, better for your health. There's just no reason. So we'll continue to take market share, I think, in medium duty and ultimately heavy duty transportation where people are using diesel. Propane offers that same range, vastly improved emissions profile, vastly improved price profile. So we'll continue to take market share from diesel and transportation. The next thing is material handling. I was in the port a couple of days of Long Beach, a couple of days ago in the port of Long Beach. Fascinating to see the opportunities there. Electrification is not ready. Hydrogen isn't really a, a tool for today. It's still diesel while they wait for these other things. It should be propane. And then lastly, the new market for us is power generation. No secret, people think about propane in their residential backup generators, Generac, uh, Kohler, Briggs. It's kind of what everybody thinks about either propane or natural gas standby generator. But now we are beginning to be the fuel of choice for prime power, for hospitals, for nursing homes, for convalescents, for you know uh, gas stations all through Florida. When they have to have power, we're really changing the dialogue so they're thinking about propane first. And the transportation, power gen, and material handling are the three future uses, I think, of propane that will really see a lot of growth. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you know, you talked mentioned earlier about propane helping everybody with their ESG scores, and you know that's an issue. Everybody's got to account for the climate that's getting ready to change. Is where that's why we're all in this market that we're in. Yeah, we talk a lot about decarbonizing now. We really want to make choices today that pay off in the future. But there are so many things people can do, fleets, companies to decarbonize now, move away from diesel fuel, move into propane and vehicles won't impact range, won't impact payload, will Im beneficially impact cost of service. And there are just so many ways our, the, our users can lean into propane today that will decarbonize today. And as we've already talked about, renewable propane tomorrow uh, is a way, I, I'm just back from a conference and I heard it over and over again. Uh, we like to talk about a wide path to reducing uh, carbon. Uh, a lot of people there talked about an all of the above approach with 
the only choices being those that had an eye towards zero carbon. That perfectly defines the state of propane industry today. Uh, decarbonizing today with a very clear path to zero carbon. In the pro renewable propane world, do certificates come with that? Like responsibly sourced gas, they have an RSG certificate or electricity has renewable energy credit certificate. Is there a certificate that comes with renewable propane or is it just physically the delivery of renewable propane for the use of the bus or the transportation system? It is interesting. I just was back from a conference about two months ago where really I started understanding everything about RSG or certified natural gas. And certainly our producers of renewable propane, we have not commingled that product, right? We have been very literally separating renewable propane from conventional propane. We haven't gone to the extent yet of certifying it, but it would be an easy step to because it's such a distinct process and we can say this is renewable propane. I think that is the probably the next step in the evolution. If the market wants us to have certified renewable propane, I think it's probably easily done. And it's a conversation that's happening right now as we think about the next stage of development of renewable propane. Yeah, that's, you know, I would guess that probably is the evolution of that product because, you know, so many people that may want to, be greener on the propane side of things, but they don't necessarily have the separate tank to put renewable propane in. They still have to use regular propane, so to speak. They could add that, add that certificate to it, and then they could claim that they now got uh, certified renewable propane offset. And so right. uh, I'm sure that'll be a direction that maybe a year from now, we have this conversation and something's developed by then. You never know. Yeah, certainly in natural gas world, even that conversation is evolving. I would say this, I think to your listeners, it's been something that's been eye-opening to me. You know, the general belief is that the only path to a clean climate is through using more electricity. And I think that would be true if the electric grid itself was quite clean. But, you know, we looked at on a state-by-state -state basis and realized that propane today is cleaner than electric grid in 38 of the 50 states, conventional propane, on a carbon intensity basis. We then did a study that looked at the various, you know, grid management tools. You live in Texas, so we could talk about your ERCOT, but it would be appropriate and again, Texas is a state that I was shocked because you have a strong wind profile, you have a strong solar profile, yet the ERCOT grid is significantly higher in carbon than propane today. Not renewable propane, conventional propane. So right in Texas, you know, our efforts to think about using more propane today would uh, render climate benefit. And I think that's, that's a story that's been really hard for people to understand probably even hard for me to understand until we dive into the numbers and look at the science behind the numbers. But again, as I say, it's really about propane today, decarbonizing now, and then a path towards a zero fuel like renewable propane. And we're very much on that trajectory right now. You know, for the listeners out there, your organization, the Propane Education and Research Council, tell the listeners more about that and your membership and how involved all the members get within that organization. Yeah, so we represent all of the propane marketers and consumers in the country. Our job is to really think about, is propane used correctly? Is it safely? Are the codes and standards there? And then at least think about the future of propane. So we really represent the fuel as much as anything. We don't have members as such, but I'll tell you, we have a lot of people who labor every day with us. 
the propane industry is very active in providing us advice, information. We have a board of 21 that's made up of producers as well as propane marketers. We have advisory committees that, are, that go down to users, farmers, uh, builders, architects, engineers, uh, transportation, fleet managers, give us a lot of advice. We just off of a power generation summit where we gathered kind of the nation's leading thinkers and manufacturers of the power equipment. And it's eye-opening to see how propane is being used. A lot of it internationally doesn't impact us, but one of the things I'm just back from a Marine conference, uh, worldwide propane is being used to power ships. Why? Because it's so much cleaner than the previous bunker fuel and so much easier to use than most any other alternative that's in discussion. So we represent the propane industry across all 50 states. We have a very clear U.S. mandate, but we do tend to benefit from you know, experiences of someone learning to move away from wood and charcoal in Africa. Uh, the shipping revolution is changing. You know, I love Scott Tinker's, uh, the geologist for University of Texas, but he has a great saying, the earth has one atmosphere and a very efficient conveyor belt. You know, we really need to make sure we're thinking about what's going on around the developed and developing world with climate solutions, because the earth really does have one atmosphere and a fairly efficient conveyor belt. So it's lovely to see propane being used in solutions that don't really benefit us here in America until we think about benefiting us from a cleaner climate worldwide. And that's great. Does your group, do you guys have uh, annual conferences where everybody gathers together? Do you do still having Zoom conferences for seminars and education? Uh, yeah, we have we have three or four, depending on the year, public board meetings that people are always welcome to attend. We speak at a variety of conferences, and then we generally attend uh, our users' conferences. So this week, for example, I'm speaking to a clean cities group in Washington. We have people today at a ports conference in Orlando. We're, we're out with the users, uh, and generally is where we speak. I think next year we're already prepared to speak at the Alternative Clean Transportation Conference uh, being headlined by the CEO of Cummins. But we're, we're out and about in your state, in your community, uh, in your region, and then nationally working with a variety of people who are all trying to get a clearer view towards how we get to a cleaner climate, how we get there faster, and how we get there in a more affordable way. Tucker, last one from me. I'm just curious in terms of your growth from a membership standpoint and, you know, the people that you're communicating with on a daily basis. You talked about, I think you said about 20 or so. Uh, what's it like in terms of making sure that everybody's on the same page, chain of communication and just kind of the the general kind of day to day stuff that makes the operation go? Like, how do you guys all kind of stay on the same page? And I'm sure that there are people from different backgrounds that you're working with. So that's all something that I'm sure it takes some time and effort to kind of fuse together into one healthy operation. Right. Yeah, I appreciate the question because that clearly is the hardest thing. You kind of hear me, if you if you spend any time with me, you think about the various cu customer segments. We're trying to think about consumers, then we're trying to think about trade professionals through building and agriculture and transportation and power gen and the commercial segment. And so we have so many voices across so many segments. We use a variety of tools to talk. We're out on social uh, media. We're out directly you know, communicating in conferences, but it is, to your point, it's the challenge and also the opportunity 
to tell the story about how to decarbonize now using uh, this American resource that we have that's so rich in propane. I think this last thing, you know, there's nothing that's good come out of Russia's invasion of Ukraine at all. We now see the impact on Europe. It really has given us a chance to have a fresh story about energy independence and domestic security. And so therein is the last thing as we sit here going into the 1st of November to think about our own ability to learn from those situations and rethink how we talk and act around energy independence and affordable but reliable energy. Well, that's all we got, uh, Tucker. We really appreciate your time. Mike, any final words? No, uh, that's great. Uh, you've informed the listeners on a topic we've not covered, uh, but you're so entertaining and your knowledge is so high. We definitely will have you back on the show, Tucker. Thanks for your time. I love mixing sports and energy, so I'll do it anytime you want. Thanks. All right. Again, he's Tucker Perkins. We appreciate his time on episode 152 of the Green Insider powered by eRenewable. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you find your podcasts at. We're there on those platforms. Give us a five star rating because as the saying goes, you learn something new every day. And we were responsible for today's lesson. Again, thanks to Tucker. For Mike Niemer, I'm Greg Frank signing off on the Green Insider powered by eRenewable. Everyone enjoy the rest of your day.